0: Hello, America, and happy Thursday! Welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Where today we got a lot of news. We're called Just the News. We should have some news, right? We've got a big investigative scoop we broke last night. You might have saw me on Sean Hannity or on Real America's Voice, Just the News, No Noise, with my incredible colleague Amanda Head. A new FBI whistleblower, devastating allegations. We're going to get to those in a second. But while that's been going on, a lot of news is happening on Capitol Hill. I mean a lot. Just a short while ago, the United States House of Representatives condemned China for sending that balloon over the United States, intruding our sovereign airspace, spying on our military installations. The House did unanimously, by the way, Democrats, Republicans, unanimous in this. They did what President Biden failed to do: decry the clear invasion of. Of our sovereign airspace. Uh, the House got it done with Kevin McCarthy, a bipartisan vote, a brilliant vote. That just happened a little while ago. And as we're speaking now, Congressman Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and his team on the Select Committee on Weaponization of the United States government, they're having a hearing. A rare moment, one of the United States senators are going to come over to the other side of the Capitol, not be a senator, but be a witness. Who is that? Somebody we have had, a, had on this show up for a long time, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He is going to be testifying among many other witnesses. Let's keep an eye today. Yesterday, we heard from Congressman Comer's staff, from the Twitter officials, all apologizing and saying we got it wrong when we censored the laptop. And yes, we hear a lot from the FBI. We've been pressured a lot from the FBI, but we don't remember whether they pressured us on Hunter Biden. Listen today for what Jim Jordan brings out on what the FBI's role was on Hunter Biden and the laptop and other important instances. I think that these two hearings together are going to give us the best 360 view we've had on the history of censorship in social media spaces with the complete endorsement of the United States government. Really excited to see what happens here. Keep an eye on the Ron Johnson testimony. We got that up already at justthenews.com. All right, we've got a killer show for you. I'm really excited about this. With so much news going on, it's been hard to find people, right? Because everyone's running around to vote, to vote, things, but we've got... General Keith Kellogg joining us at the top of the hour tonight. He is the former National Security Advisor, President Trump, and Vice President Mike Pence. One of the most brilliant minds in the security space. We're going to talk China surveillance, Bloom. We're going to talk Russia. we got a lot of great things. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Then, because it's Thursday, you know what it is? It's AMAC Thursday. That's right. We get a chance to hang out with some of our friends at the Association for Mature American Citizens, AMAC. Bobby Charles, our national spokesman, former incredible congressional investigator. Former Reagan advisor, former State Department official under George W. Bush Bobby Charles knows this place better than anyone The city of Washington And he's going to join us in the second half of the show That's pretty darn cool Now, before we get to our first commercial break and our first guest Last night on the show, we introduced America That's on the TV show To a brand new FBI whistleblower His name is George Hill He served in the Marines He served in the Navy He served at the NSA as an intelligence analyst, and then he became an FBI supervisory intelligence analyst for the end of his career, and he worked out of Boston, and he related—he just retired, by the way, but he went to Congress earlier this week to Jim Jordan's committee and relayed an extraordinary story of how Boston, the FBI office in Boston, was pressured inappropriately, improperly to open up criminal cases on 140 Americans who had committed no crime. They had simply gotten on a bus to come down to January 6th and attend the January 6th rally hosted by former President Donald Trump. And that is a significant acknowledgement because the FBI rules, the law requires the FBI to have a predicate, meaning you can't open up on somebody, a criminal investigation preliminary or direct, unless you have cause to do so. And none of these had cause. And when the FBI agents in Boston, whom George Hill witnessed, objected at Washington field office, said, well, don't worry, we're just going to go over to your boss and your boss and your boss. Every step of the way, as they went up the food chain in Boston, the Boston leadership refused to buckle to this extraordinary political pressure. And remember, I say this a lot People say, oh, John, you're being too gracious. It's actually true. For every bad egg that we've been able to expose at the FBI, there are hundreds of good eggs that want and do follow the law. And this Boston anecdote highlights that. But it now injects two new, very important questions into the January 6th. Investigation into the weaponization of federal government probe that Jim Jordan is looking at. George Hill relates that the way they found these 140 is that a bank. He says the Bank of America volunteered the private financial data of Americans so that the FBI could data mine it and find people who were in Washington and then figure out if they were attacking the Capitol. Instead of going and say, who attacked the Capitol? Who attacked an officer? Let's arrest them. They just swept up everybody who was in Washington who might have used a credit card from Bank of America that day. I guess technically, if the the bank volunteers it, that's one thing. If the FBI asks for it, that's going to be another question. But that's the first question. Bank records without a subpoena, without a national security letter, without a warrant? It seems like we're getting closer and closer to a domestic surveillance agency. The second thing George Hill, now retired, told us, and he also told the House Judiciary Committee as in a protected whistleblower disclosure, is that in the process of going back and forth and fighting with the Washington field office, which is trying to just get these people investigated. The FBI boss said, all right, well, listen, if we don't have evidence, let us look at the tapes. Maybe we'll find some evidence. Then we'll open up an appropriate criminal investigation on some of these 140. All we need to do, let's see the videotapes. And the Washington field office came back to him and said, no, 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 you can't look at the tapes. Wait a second, we're the FBI. We're your brethren. We're agents. You're asking us to open up a case. Why can't we see the evidence? And the answer that came back is, we may have had undercover agents in confidential human source a la informants, either collecting the video or on scene, and we don't want to expose them. All right, now we got a potential army of informants potentially on the ground. So Bank of America, financial privacy, when can the FBI can and not get something? And this other moment of suggestion, at least, that there were informants and undercover agents. Doesn't surprise me, but we haven't been able to get an honest accounting of it. Those two things are now been put on the front burner by the courage of this FBI whistleblower named George Hill. And last night, I had a chance to briefly talk to Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He's got the subcommittee, the select subcommittee. Uh, we call it the Church Committee on the Weaponization of Government. He said that George Hill was such an important new witness. He lays the foundation for the whole weaponization of government investigation that began today with that Twitter hearing that I told you about that Ron Johnson is testifying at today's focus on censorship, but they're going in other directions here. January 6th, there's a pretty major revelation, and we're going to have to keep an eye on that today. That's going to be a big deal. All right, folks, check out that story at justinews.com. It's been one of the biggest. And remember, what the retired FBI analyst George Hill told us very closely tracks to what Steve Friend told us. If you remember Steve Friend, he was the first whistleblower, and he said, I believe there were civil liberty violations going on in the January 6th investigation. Well, George Hill furthers that concern with his testimony. First to the House Judiciary Committee, now an exclusive interview with Justin News on the Just the News No Noise television show that I host every night with my good friend and colleague, Amanda Head. All right, well, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got an incredible guest, retired General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor to both Presidents Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. A lot to talk about on China surveillance. You're going to hear it all right after this commercial break. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis... Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advise fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I promised you we would get one of the greatest national security minds this country has ever had, and we've got them. Retired General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor to President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, and you see him on Fox, you see him always spouting wisdom to the country on such important national security issues, and he's here today to talk to us about China, Russia, and everything going on. General, always an honor to have you on this show.
1: John, thanks for much, uh, very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Good to be with you.
0: You bring clarity, and I think so many Americans have watched the last 10 days with bewilderment They can't understand why it took seven days to shut down a foreign spy apparatus transversing our sovereign airspace. They can't understand why Joe Biden doesn't address it at any time, doesn't give a warning to China, doesn't even really take time to explain it during the State of the Union address. I just can't imagine any other president, maybe not, not even Barack Obama, certainly not Ronald Reagan or George Bush, or even Bill Clinton would have allowed this to go down the way it has. What's up with Joe Biden on this particular issue? It's just shocking to us.
1: Yeah, You know, John, it's the incident happened, the balloon that came across, and it's a new way of warfare that actually goes back generations, because actually we started using balloons from warfare in the 1800s, and and they're using it now in a very forward fashion, but the balloon is one thing, but the response we had is stunning to me. And I've said repeatedly that how presidents make decisions and the decisions they make are critical to the American people. Are they decisive decisions? Are they, they make them fast. They have a good response. And you see with this administration, that's not the case. And it's really kind of concerning to me. I mean, I've got the balloon piece and the fact that what China did is egregious and it was just truly in your face but the lack of response by the president. And then he makes a comment. Well, I told him to shoot it down on Wednesday and it takes us till Saturday to, to shoot it down. And it's transmitting this, the sensor packages the size of either a small school bus or a large airplane, one of the two. It's a pretty big package. And it's transmitting constantly back. And I go back to what President Trump would have done. <laughs> president Trump would have called in the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of Defense and said, okay, take this thing out of the air like today, not right now. And two hours later, he would have called them and said, it's been done yet. And in two hours after that, calling back and it hadn't been done yet. He would have found a new secretary of defense and new chairman of the Joint Chiefs. It would have happened immediately. Because to me, the, getting it on the ground is a lot better for us than getting it in the water. Because, the, you know, I've I've done a belly flop off a 10-meter board and it hurts when you hit the water. Coming out of 60,000 feet. The terminal velocity, I'm sure that didn't just fragment it. would have been easier to pick it up over the ground. Plus, we would have done it more rapidly. Instead of just saying, well, it's kind of no harm, no foul. Of course it is. And if you look at Lloyd Austin today making comments about how they had to shut down all the nuclear command and control as this thing was transiting, well, then it was a threat to the United States of America. And I have no idea, John, what they were policing up. It was like a giant vacuum cleaner. You get very good fidelity at 60,000 feet, sometimes better than a satellite. And it was picking up probably communications intelligence and signals intelligence, and it passed right over Malmstrom, which is the home of the 341st Missile Wing. Then it passed uh, close by the 90th and 91st, the other two wings. So, so it passed through the command and control of one of the legs of the triad, the 400 Minuteman three missiles that we have out there, the command and control of those missiles. And then, it, by the way, then it passed by Whiteman Air Force Base, which is the home of the B-2 uh, stealth bomber that's the second leg of the triad you know if i said to somebody the other day if it went over king's bay it had the trifecta it got them all you know all three parts of the triad and, and so i i don't it was just it's amazing that it was almost like well it's really no harm no foul and this john the concerning me is a pattern this is a pattern that joe biden has shown and, and he's shown it repeatedly in his career as a politician remember this is the same gentleman when he was vice president, when he was in the situation with Barack Obama, declined to say, let's go after uh, Osama bin Laden. Didn't do it then. Uh, Bob Gates made the comment that never under my, Joe's ability to screw something up, and he's been wrong on nearly every national security decision in the last 40 years. I mean, so so I think, again, I'm closing the circle on this. I've got the balloon and how critical it was, but really what bothers me is decision-making process of the president, because by God, China's watching
0: what's happened. Yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty darn remarkable. And uh, it gets stopped on the street and people are like, why, why isn't the president condemning this? I mean, it took the House. The House had no problem today. They got out there on a 100% bipartisan vote and condemned China. But uh, China, there's nothing that Biden even has said that really has been condemnation or that would tell China, yeah,
1: don't do it again. Why is that? Well, John, it's it's a great question, because I think there should be some type of response. And now we, look how long it's been since we've had any type of response out there. And it, you need to push back on the Chinese right away and show a level of strength. And what followed this? Lloyd Austin, the secretary of defense, picks up the phone, tries to call their secretary, their minister of defense, secretary of defense. He won't take the call. And I said, OK, that's just a level of re- lack of respect that they have for this administration. You need to tell me. You know the the Secretary of Defense of the United States of America cannot even get a phone call through to their Minister of Defense. That that's just stunning to me. How you how you change that? Is you respond in a very, very forceful manner, and you know you know this is like an extreme position, for example, okay we 're just going to sort the u s s Ronald Reagan, the carrier and the carrier battle group out of Yokohama, the Seventh Fleet, and just sort of park it in the Taiwan Straits, you know, kind of float around out there, do something that really gets their attention, and because if you don't do something like that, they will continue to do something to force to do something pretty egregious like they do with the balloon. And who knows what's going to happen next. And you have to extend that John to what they're going to do uh, with Taiwan, because I think they're testing us seeing how we're going to respond to something like Taiwan. Uh, will we respond to it? Uh, you know, when, when uh, um, Pelosi went in there uh you know, we we escorted her in there, but the Chinese just kind of went nuts about that. We, and my attitude is, let's send about 30 congressmen in, you know, send everybody in there and put them on the ground. And, and if we're not responding, and we should. And I think that's such a very bad example for a, a show of strength to the Chinese. They're just not going to buy into it.
0: There seemed to be another moment in the Tuesday State of the Union Address that any other president would have used. And that is to explain to the American people, what's our objective in Ukraine? How do we define victory? Why are we spending so much money? And what's at stake? What's the American interest? And he didn't do that either. Americans are a year into supporting this war. The tab seems to be approximately a $100 billion. That's a lot of money. And yet there's no definition of the mission or what constitutes mission success. Another missed opportunity for the president Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, I was ma- To me, it's massive. And there, he's not described an end state or solution to Ukraine. And this, by the way, this is a huge geopolitical event that we're seeing that it, fighting the fighting Ukraine between the largest country in Europe and the second largest country in Europe, Ukraine. And the, the losses are enormous. The Ukrainians have lost 100,000 soldiers dead. The the. Russians probably lost about 160,000 soldiers dead. I was just there. I spent about 11 days on the ground in Ukraine and kind of, I I went out to the east where most people don't go because I was with a a really good humanitarian relief organization called the Weatherman Foundation and they allowed me plenty of access and I wanted to go out and get a feel for it. We talked to government officials. uh, We talked to military officials. We talked to the people that are out there. And honestly, John, this is like a fight to the finish out there. And the reason why I think this is important and I've said this repeatedly, and I think the president's missing a huge opportunity. This is our chance to reset everything in Europe. And then we can pivot, as we should be doing, to our greatest adversary, which is China. But we're just kind of caught in this and not really bringing it to a, a successful conclusion. And what I mean by that is we're not providing what we really need to provide to make sure that the Ukrainians can win this. I, when I was over there, John, not a single Ukrainian, not one, said we need U.S. troops. They don't want it. They said, give us the kit. Give us the equipment and we'll fight for it. But we're not giving giving them the equipment. We're giving them to a piecemeal. It reminds me, when I was in the military, river crossing is pretty tough. And you start from the near bank to the far bank. You don't get in the middle of the river and say, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. And we're not giving them the, the kit they need. For example, we give them one high Mars, two high Mars, three high Mars. There's two battalions of that kind of equipment sitting in Germany right now. And it, it, that is the big killer on the battlefield for the Ukrainians, the HIMARS is really good. And we haven't given them the attackland's missile that fits into that system because they're afraid we're gonna attack into to Russia. But if you attack the supply lines, it forces the Russians to fight a different way. And let's give the Ukrainians a chance to win it because I believe you beat the Russian army in the field, Putin falls, and then that resets NATO It resets all of Europe and allows us to pivot, as we've always been trying to do, to China, our greatest adversary. A military guy never wants to fight two wars at the same time or look in two directions at the same time. It really helps to focus in on one. And he hasn't done that. And he hasn't told the American people that. With all that money we're spending and the potential of further conflict, he hasn't gone to the American people and said, okay, this is the reason I'm doing it. This is the end state. This is where I want to go. Instead, he says, for as long as it takes, as much as it takes. John, that's a bumper sticker. That's not a strategy.
0: No, that's not. And and it's not a good explanation to the American people to understand what their buy-in needs to be to get to success levels. It is right. I, I've heard from now people on all sides, all different ideological spectrums come to the same assessment that you, you just so eloquently laid out. We're in this far now. Why not impose a loss to Russia? Because it's probably going to create an incredible reset in Eastern Europe. If the president would just simply say that, America's go, like, "Okay, I get it. I get. I mean, I, all right. There's an objective now. I get what we're trying to do." But uh, he just keeps missing those moments. I want to double back to China now uh, and just ask about this because. Uh, the House Intelligence Committee seems to have gotten an assessment in the last 24 hours that China's intention was to embarrass the United States. They timed it to around the time of the Blinken summit with the Chinese president. And their goal was to embarrass the United States by showing, listen, we could just transverse this thing across. If they were going to make that calculation, they probably were calculating that Biden would be slow in plotting and addressing it. Did Joe Biden just play into China's best propaganda play?
1: No, sure he did because what they they just exposed what we've all known or most of us have known that this president is not very good on on decision making, which is absolutely critical under his role as in the Constitution, Article Two and Section Two, as Commander in Chief, and he's shown that. And it's sort of like they just constantly push the envelope. And I, when they say they deliberately did it, yeah, I think they did it, it. You know, with the wind currents, of course. The thing we we know now it had some ability to maneuver. Um, but it's almost like okay, this is just kind of put it in your face it's just in general, not necessarily this exact period of time like near the State of the Union. I think they do they they put it deliberately above a site like Malstrom Air Force Base, where the you know, the one of our missile wings is, just to kind of show that they've got no respect. And the Chinese are big on respect. What I mean by respect face. You know, saving face and making the other or you know, make the other uh, individual or, or nation look foolish, because that transmits to all of their allies. So they say the Chinese can now say, well, look what the United States did. They didn't do anything. They're not a reliable partner. You can go back to Afghanistan. Look what they did in Afghanistan. They're not reliable. They're not going to defend you. You stay with us, and, and you're going to be in better shape. And that's kind of the pattern line that they've got and the one that they're using to a lot of nations to bring them under uh, you know, under their, their control. I mean, I've seen that happen with the Solomon Islands uh, out in the Pacific. And, and once you go past the first Island chain that means like Japan or Philippines and in Taiwan you get into the second you know uh, the second island chain. this reminds me of World War II when we had to fight our way back through those island chains to get to Japan and they're pushing us away further and further, and they'll control the South china Sea they'll control all of that area around the Philippines, all that area around Taiwan all the way up to Japan. And it's sending a very, very strong message that we have not responded to. Yeah,
0: it really is remarkable. There was a report this week by Cy Hirsch that the United States had a covert operation to blow up Nord Stream. It's interesting. This has been bubbling around Europe for quite some time. Do you have an assessment one way or the other, whether we might have done something like that, or does it seem implausible to you?
1: No, I think, first of all, I think... um, most people now agree that it was blown up that because they have actually found explosive residue that somebody blew it up. First, I don't believe it was the United States. And here's why. Because this president is so risk adverse. He wouldn't do something like that. If it was smart or not, he would just wouldn't do it. I'm sure that the Russians did it to send a message and they just cut out one level of transport of fuel into Europe. But it doesn't cut down all the transport. Remember, that's Nord Stream 2. There's still Nord Stream 1 out there with being able to, send fuel uh, into Europe and some of the other pipelines as well. I think this is just their way of saying, ah, we don't need that. Thank you very much and blow it up and embarrass everybody and, and hurt the primarily the Germans because the Germans are truly, and I believe this for the last several years, the weak link. I think they're, they're, they're a moral failure in what they do. Uh, and this was a way of, of trying to drive a wedge in, inside the NATO Alliance. And uh, so I think if anybody did it, Well, somebody did it, It, but the only two countries that were capable of doing it are the United States and Russia. And I don't think the United States did it. I don't think this administration would have done it, um, even if it was a smart idea. Um, And I I put that on the Russians, not on us.
0: Yeah, that's that's the assessment that most of the people I talk to have as well. Last question, NORAD. The general was quite candid about the failure of NORAD to detect earlier balloons that transversed our space. And there's been a lot of spin. Well, it's not an intelligence failure, but it seems to me if NORAD's job is to find hostile threats and we didn't find some of them, that is a failure. How would you assess what we've learned about NORAD and how do we fix it? Because you, you always have a reputation. You, you only fix, it find things. You 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 find solutions for it. How do we fix the failure to detect earlier versions of these balloons?
1: Yeah, there was two things. First of all, um, I have a new NORAD com- commander by today. Uh, because th- that uh, – and he's going to have to take one for the team. And what I mean by that is, look, you're the commander. You're responsible for it. It falls under you. You said it didn't happen. Well, you made a huge mistake, obviously, and it threatens the security of the United States of America. The second is I'd get into the intelligence communities as well and said, look, you're telling me you can't track these or haven't tracked them? And I'll tell you, John, this whole story about – it happened during the Trump administration. Well, somebody wasn't telling us because I sat on – Every single presidential daily uh, daily brief, I either read it or I was in the meeting in the Oval Office, and I, and I never saw anything. Neither did Mike Pompeo, and he was director of the CIA. Noted, neither did Robert O'Brien. Neither did John Radcliffe, the director of national intelligence. Even John Bolton has said that he never saw anything like that as, as well. So we've got an intelligence failure, and we need to bring the intelligence community in, NORAD in, and bring everybody in. And if Congress can do it and sit down and say, how did we miss it and how do we fix it? Because these things, once now we're all kind of saying, you know, they're floating through the, you know, the air out there, and they're carrying huge sensor packages. So either you didn't concern yourself with this, or we've got some holes in our ability to see this. And I don't think it's the latter. I think it's the former. They just didn't pay attention to to the to what was happening in the kitchen. And I, it's as hard as to say, I've seen that happen before. I think that's what happened. And how you change that out? You put new leaders in charge, and you say, fix it, or I'll find a new leader again. And I want to find out how we can see this stuff or how we report this stuff. And I, I don't think it was done. It was like, oh, okay, no big deal. There's a balloon over there. I think it's a huge, huge intelligence failure and a military failure as well.
0: Peace through stink requires consequences. And there's been no consequence to China nor any consequence to NARAD for failing to detect what turned out to be such a huge national embarrassment. General, it is always an honor to have you on this show. Your precision, your keenness of mind, your great understanding of how peace through strength is achieved is such a great and refreshing message on this show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Great honor to have you on. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Bobby Charles will be here from AMAC. we we'll have a big fun discussion. It's AMAC Thursday. We love doing that. We'll have that right after the commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of TitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset the equity in your home all right folks welcome back from the commercial break you know what day it is right it's thursday that means it's amac thursday we always have one of the great conversations of the week on this part of the show and joining us right now is the national spokesman for amac and our good friend bobby charles bobby welcome back to the show john i love being on your show Well, that goes both ways. And our audience loves having you on. It's such a great conversation. We always walk away with much wiser than we walked into the conversation. You worked in the State Department. You worked in Congress for a long time. You've seen a lot of things happen over the last 30, 40 years in this country. I have seen and talked to so many people who said they literally can't believe how the last eight days played out with the State of the Union. And before that, China just with absolute impunity, penetrating our airspace and our president waffling for nearly a week before doing what any other country would have done earlier. Your take on the State of the Union and the China balloon thing, because in many ways, they're tied together, right? They're both signs of the weak state that Joe Biden has left us in.
2: Well, you're you you you're right. Uh, and those are two uh, high-level mountain peaks to sort of uh, address and, and both worthy of the time. Look, Words are cheap. And what we saw was nothing more than high theater and and frankly, pretty bad high theater. Uh, The State of the Union, um, the State of the Union was in in, in direct opposition to the state of reality. The State of the Union talked, uh, you know, who's going to, by the way, who's going to oppose trying to get a cure for cancer or veterans or mental health or trying to save our kids from uh, runaway drugs that very different from the reality the reality is this was this this speech was this speech basically broadcast an anti-capitalist anti-seniors anti-individual liberty message that is perfectly consistent with both Joe Biden and Harris but also with the democrat leadership and with the domestic policy council that's basically running the white house which is a bunch of former obama people so what what you saw here was no reality check on the absence of support for law enforcement. I spent time recently this week with a nonprofit that does law enforcement organization nationwide of law enforcement officers. They're demoralized. They're defunded. They're they can't their recruiting and retention is down at bottom bottom lows. The ambushes and suicides are at an all time high. And you wonder why people, including minorities and women, are legally going out and buying guns, particularly in urban centers in blue states, because rule of law has dissipated. Rule of law has been eviscerated. Rule of law has been has been knocked sideways by this administration. So there is issue number one that the average American high crime fear about their kids and themselves being anywhere, going anywhere. Uh, carjackings at record highs, homicides at record highs in more than 200 cities. Where Where is the reality check on high crime? Second point is the economy. The economy is devastating people. He, at a time when, if you just look at any newspaper, I don't care, go to CNN, go to anywhere you want, you will see that all the major companies are cutting by thousands, if not tens of thousands, jobs. You'll see that the labor market is at its all-time low, lowest participation rate. You see people saying, well, we need to brag about the fact that you get high unemployment only if, you're, if you have a very limited bench from which to pull. And because people are now sitting on the sidelines and they've decided they're just going to take largesse from the federal government, uh, then your your whole their whole productivity measure and the unemployment measure significance is is really off off the mark. But what do you really have? What you really have is unemployment rising, inflation at an eight to ten percent. Uh, rate annually, which is a tax on your income because it's pushing you into a higher income bracket regardless of what you think. It's making you pay more at the store. And that price inflation is also driving wage inflation. So you can see inflation is just going to continue to go up over time, hitting it as if it's a growth problem. It's not a growth problem. It's an overspending and it's a destruction of the energy sector problem. So his inflation is going to continue to grow. And then the third big one that was uh, unacknowledged is interest rates. You've had 7.5. 7.5. Uh, point a uh, rate raise you 've got i think they 've raised it seven times they 're going to raise it more. this kills the average person 's credit card mortgage uh, rate if they 're on a variable rate uh, auto loan the cost uh, never mind the cost of gasoline he talked about inflation going down okay the cost of gasoline when he took office was a dollar ninety eight The cost of inflation yesterday i believe was uh, of gas uh, uh, the cost of gas was a dollar ninety eight when he took office the cost of gas yesterday was three forty nine so it 's not five dollars it 's true it 's come down from uh, but that's because you can't you know, you drained the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which you shouldn't have done in order to bring the price down. Bottom line is economy was number two that he failed to talk about. Number three was national security, the border, all of the, the issues that we've got. We've we've hemorrhaged large amounts of our stockpiles to Ukraine, which isn't even a NATO ally. Uh, what are we going to do? We're supposed to be able to fight a two front war and we, we haven't even got the armaments to be able to fight a one front war right now. So I, I think there's a lot of mismanagement in uh, when it comes to rule of law, a lot of mismanagement when it comes to the economy and a lot of mismanagement when it comes to national security. Break, break. When we talk about this China balloon, John, this balloon. We, we clearly had contingency plans on the books somewhere on a dusty shelf about what to do when they violate our airspace with any airframe. And this was an airframe. It was carrying a payload. You know, this, this thing, and I know you got briefed recently by the Intel Committee, but this, this thing was carrying a, uh, a payload the size of a large house. Okay, the payload underneath the balloon. That, that was doing a lot of collection. There's no question. We know now. It was doing collection. It was collecting signals intelligence or SIGINT. It was collecting measurement intelligence or MASINT. And it was almost certainly collecting geospatial intelligence, which is what things going on underneath the ground. It passed methodically, methodically over six or seven major military sites. It, It lingered, which means it had the power to linger over a couple of critical sites, including our ICBM fields. And what was going on under the ground there was clearly in their line of sight. They were undoubtedly transmitting in real time. Why in the world any president would do this, uh, let it roll like that, is really beyond thinking, beyond imagination. But you know what? At the end of the day, this was China's test run. This was China's test about whether or not we would that we this president and his national security team would hesitate or not hesitate. And what did what did we what did we learn? We learned that Biden failed. We hesitated. So now they know that when they try a move on the Spratly Islands or they move fighters to their artificial island or they make a direct attack on on Taiwan, they know our MO is to hesitate. And I guess I'm just gonna say everything is not lost until it's lost and deterrence And perception and the change of perception and the change uh, in deterrence can change the outcome. But this was a very, very serious event. And even to this day, people are not recognizing how serious the incursion was. It was an advanced shot to see what we would do. And we failed.
0: It's amazing. And there's a moment now, we're, we're 12 days into this, 10 days into this crisis, and the president has yet to make a clear statement. I can't imagine a Bill Clinton or a Ronald Reagan or a George H.W. Bush. Quite frankly, not even Barack Obama would have gone this long and said, China, if you do this again, you're getting shot down right away. Th- there should be this clarity that even if we got burned on this now, there, it's been silence. There's been diplo speak. I'm confused by the lack of clarity to protect our own space going forward. What does that do to China?
2: Well, I, I think personally, by the way, John, that an ambiguity in some situations can be constructed. But this is an ambiguity that telegraphs confusion, hesitation and fear. You know, instead of being motivated by confidence in the national security apparatus, which is what most presidents at most times, Democrat and Republican, from Harry Truman uh, to Ronald Reagan and onward, uh, generally had confidence in the national security uh, uh, infrastructure that we have. I mean, we, we do have more, uh, we have more carriers. We have more, I mean, the the core infrastructure of the United States is far superior to that of China's, but you can either be motivated by confidence or you can be motivated by fear and fear generates appeasement. And this administration is plainly an appeasing, frightened of the Taliban, frightened of, uh, frightened of China, frightened of, of creating any stir with anybody Uh, And so what happens is, you know, the bad children in the classroom and particularly the big bully, in this case, China, realizes, hey, this is our moment. You know, we got a substitute teacher in here who doesn't do jack. Let's go. Let's go take advantage of the moment. And so that's what they do. But, you know, at the end of the day, there should have not only been an Oval Office address directly confronting, responding to, pushing back, creating deterrence. Uh, and and educating and, and giving confidence to the American people. But we should have put a carrier battle group in motion instantly for the Chinese shore to be able to run through the Taiwan Straits. We should have immediately, uh, you know, redoubled our efforts on BMD. We should have been, we should be sending concrete signals. We should have done some redeployments. We should have made clear that our allies are not going to be left out there to by Japan, Australia, all these smaller countries in the region, the Philippines beyond we should have you know sent a diplomat direct to Taiwan. We should have done some things that make it clear we are not just words you know i 'm going to come back to what I said about State of the Union, John. The same thing with China. Words are cheap. We should have made it crystal clear with action items. We should have gone out there and and indicated that we 're going to mobilize the industrial base to quadruple the production of stinger missiles to quadruple the production of uh, you know tanks. I mean w- we need to start actionizing. The words and we don't even have the words so i mean i guess we need the words for
0: it's unreal i i've been and you and i have both been this town a long time i've never seen a weaker more feckless response to something that has so concerned the american You, i can't walk down the street with someone coming and say what are we doing about this china balloon everyone was struck by it it's like our sputnik moment and yet our president didn't act like kennedy or reagan or eisenhower or anyone he has basically Stayed in his basement and hardly mumbled about this. It's just remarkable. I want to go to another moment in the State of the Union address because there are a couple times and he continued this yesterday in Wisconsin where the president is falsely suggesting there's a bunch of Republicans that are going to get rid of Medicare and Social Security and cut it. And that's simply not true. There's no plan on the table to cut either one but soon history will cut social security and medicare if we don't extend the life of the funds how much demagoguery was involved in this and does it ultimately boomerang around the president when he gives such a false answer
2: yeah i mean i i think it, it, you know the guy's probably got boomerangs coming from every direction now i mean to be quite frank he he has misspoken uh, and so you have to so many times about not only that issue, but other issues. It, they really are. I hate to use the word lies, but they are lies. They are mis. They're misspoken statements of fact that are known to be untrue when you say them. And so he knows for a fact that 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 the only way that one of the only ways the race card is another way. But one of an overspending is another way. But one of the only concrete ways that the Democrats have been able to turn the dial when they're way back is to sow fear that the republicans this goes this is a card out of their deck that goes back 3 decades is to so fear that the republicans who have made it <laughs> since Eisenhower's time, have made it their plan to be fiscally responsible. You know, the bad children come in, spend all the money. The good children come in and try then, with fiscal responsibility, to make the government work one more time the way it was supposed to work, try to limit it, Ronald Reagan, et cetera. They try to use the Republican mentality, which is that you need to be responsible with taxpayer dollars to then allege that we are going to cut social security, which incidentally is not an entitlement. People put their money into it expecting an outcome, and they should expect an outcome. And uh, and the other other other, I mean, Medicaid, Medicare and some of the other uh, other parts of the entitlement community reality in all this is that the Republicans have no plan to do that. You had one guy, Rick Scott, who basically raised a flag and said, you know, we need to figure out because in 2030 or 2033, this is not going to be a solvent program. We need to figure out how to make it solvent. So responsible people, Democrats and Republicans recognized because the commission pr- produces the report that tells them that this is a program that is in deep trouble. But you don't solve that by spiking inflation so that so that the limited assets that, that seniors have and the savings that they put into a bank account or a pension plan uh, suddenly become work- worth less. You don't do that. You don't go around raising fear that people are going to slash and burn the Social Security program because nobody wants to do that. Uh, You need to be a president. okay? and a president says like Tip O'Neill, as a speaker of the House did with Ronald Reagan, the two of them sat down and said, we need to work a plan that will allow people who are putting into this system today against demographics that aren't going to work for us we need to allow them to be able to pull the money that they put into this program. So how are we going to do that? Are we going to divert money from other sources? Are we going to create institutional uh, uh, firewalls so that the money doesn't get taken and used for other purposes? You know, and here's another thing that's happening because of what Biden is saying. And because of the, the, I'll call it a, a trope against Republicans that they, that they put out there that we're going to cut social security, which is utterly false because of that young people, now resist the idea of even believing that Social Security will work. And and they're creating a lack of confidence in the sustainability of a program that needs more confidence in order to stay sustainable. So, you know, to me, you have this... A world in which truth is the big casualty. Uh, Biden is out there spreading lies about his having a great economy. This is not a great economy. It, it, Republicans aiming to cut social security. Republicans are not aiming to cut social security. They will preserve that program long after the Democrats have turned every dollar into a 10-cent piece. Uh, they will be working hard to preserve the value that people have uh, put into their social security benefits. So, John, I think we live in a, in, a, in a, you know, the saddest part is somebody told me the other day, took me aside, a scholarly type person and said, have, when was the last time you read the book 1984? I said, oh, well, I read it, I read it, I read it in high school, but uh, they said, read it again. And the point is, we are in George, or- the center of George Orwell's universe, 1984, and Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden is pushing the envelope on it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And we really have to get serious about addressing the issues in a serious way and beginning to really isolate and dismiss those who just are throwing subterfuge at us. We've been lied to too many times now, and we don't have time for lies right now. There's so much urgency in our country. I want to finish up with one thought, which is Biden had this moment where he kind of lured Republicans into a conversation to make it look like he got them to agree, oh, you're not going to cut Social Security, you're going to follow my lead on this. How do Republicans reclaim the narrative from the State of the Union? It wasn't a strong State of the Union address, but Republicans, it seems like in the first 48, 72 hours after this, haven't really had a moment to push back and take advantage of the many things that the president said. He said, we're only going to need oil for 10 years. That's not true. I mean, every everyone, even the Merrill Lynch says, uh, and Goldman Sachs says, we're going to need it for 50 years. There are so many moments in that the State of the Union could be boomeranging around, but it didn't seem like a lot of that's happened yet. What should Republicans do to reclaim the narrative from Tuesday?
2: So as you know, I, I worked for five years under the leadership of Newt Gingrich and also worked in Ronald Reagan's White House, and and uh, who was a great communicator, and George Bush's. I'll tell you what they should do. There should be, within the next week, there should be a serious, and and the networks may or may not cover it, but a serious uh, point-by-point response to the lies that were promulgated in that State of the Union. There should be a Republican uh, network primetime speech given called the State of Reality. Walk through. state of reality that people have to manage on a day-to-day basis when they buy groceries, when they buy a used car that's now up 200% in cost. Go through the cost of gasoline, a state of reality speech that that rebuts, literally, Biden said X, and here's the reality, Y. The thing that I took away from the speech is that, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure Joe Biden drank a lot of coffee at the very least before he got up on that podium because there's more energy in that evening than there was in. The last it's
0: the first time I've seen him that energetic that late at night.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, he was well past his bedtime. But, but the past, but the reality here is, he came off looking to me like someone who was glib, who is not a serious person. So I don't care what your words are. I don't care whether you're in Heartland. I, I, I live in Maine. I don't care what your words are. Your words don't really bother me. But reality bothers me. And the reality is that he lives in a special, you know, gated life where he can he can do whatever the heck he wants to do. And he could do it before president because he he earned 30 million dollars on the American taxpayer and somehow, you know, has bought himself fancy stuff that he never could have bought when he was young. But all that stuff is not the reality average Americans live with. And when you get up there, you're not a serious person. When you get up there and you pretend that you're going to have fun making fun of Republicans at a time when 90% 90% of this country is worried about their jobs, their pensions, the value of their dollar, whether they can pay for their kids to go to college, whether their kids can even live on their own, what, what, whether China is going is to come at us, whether the, the border is going to continue to stay open, whether the illegals that are being transported into their hometown at night are going to stay there, what they're going to do with those people, whether the crime rate is going to go sky high, whether they need to go buy a gun. This is the world people live in today that was created over the last two and a half years by, uh, by Joe Biden. And, and the only additive to that for which we're all responsible is that there is an overhang of debt that the high interest rates and everything else are continuing to weigh down. It's like, it's like G-forces when you're in a fighter. Uh, you know, These G-forces of three, $31 trillion in debt with higher interest rate on that debt are slowly gobbling up the capacity of America to pay for its own indulgences. And that's a shared burden. That's something Republicans and Democrats both have to get after. But for God's sakes, we're not in a moment where you can sit back, relax and make fun of each other. We're at a moment when the American people needs responsible, thoughtful, fiscal, moral leaders. And we aren't we aren't seeing a lot of them.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. It's such an extraordinary moment. Bobby, we have such a great relationship with AMAC. AMAC does so many amazing things every week, every day. If you go to the website, you just see how you're fighting for America. You set up a special program for us so people can join the AMAC civilian army and become part of a grassroots movement. You get lots of benefits and savings, discounts on products and travel. You get introduced to things like insurance programs that you can't get elsewhere. And then you get all the great political intelligence that your team puts together, the podcast puts together, and you've done something special. I signed up for a five-year membership, folks. You should do the same. It's the best investment you'll make. First off, it'll pay for itself in a few weeks with the discounts, and then you're going to get five years of profiting from the intelligence, the opportunity to engage in making your country better. All you need to do to go do that is go to amac.us slash justnews. Amac, Mac A-M-A-C.us slash justnews. Sign up today. Match me on my five-year membership. It's the best thing. It's it's A-I-R-P with all the benefits but a much better perspective, a much better political outcome, and so much more. Don't waste any time. Go check that out today, amac.us slash justnews. You can get wisdom like this that we get once a week with Bobby, seven days a week. That is worth investing in. Bobby, a big thanks to you. Thanks for the partnership, first off. We love doing this. But thank you also for some really big insights on that. what's been a pretty dramatic few days here in
2: Washington. It has, John. And I just am so grateful that you're out there doing what you're doing. You you have been a voice of investigative Truth and honesty, and sort of flipping rocks over, even when they're hard to lift, and, and not people aren't sure what you're going to find underneath. And I, I just greatly, first of all, I listened to you anyway long before this, and I, I'm, no, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for everything you do. And, and I would just note too that this, this partnership is sort of a partnership for America, because I, I was on a show the other day and someone said, do you know that I made enough back in one dental visit because I was a member of Amac to pay for my entire five-year five-year uh, membership, but I believe it. Yeah.
0: Where can you invest in something and get an instant return back? And then all the other benefits that come with it. I was so amazed how much I've been able to save on the discounts, but also just the podcast, the daily updates, the grassroots opportunities to
2: do things. You get a magazine, too, that we don't talk much about there's an article a couple articles in there about how doctors were were really uh, uh in in many ways hammered by state and federal entities for having been about the covid vaccine and there are some very concrete data points in magazine, in the magazines and on the website that you're just not going to see anywhere else there's they're just not out there and so amac has this army of people in the state collecting information working on you know trying trying to support things like uh a better Uh, fiscal responsibility by their state legislatures, trying to commit, commit you know, get, get things to get to be done in a way that is, that is responsible to the taxpayer uh, across the board and looking, obviously, for just honesty in government. I mean, where has honesty and accountability in government gone? That's, that's one of the things they fight for all the time.
0: So important.
2: It really is.
0: Well, it's an honor to do this segment every week. It's an honor to be partnered with you guys. And I can't wait to next week's segment already. This is such a fun conversation. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for all the wisdom you shared today.
2: No, thank you, John, for entertaining it. Thank you. Great
0: opportunity. Folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a few seconds. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Just News. That's TNUSA.com slash Just News. Hey folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast with the news that we bring the exclusive interviews and you know what else is great you can listen to any iheart radio station anywhere in the country inside this free Download the iHeart App Radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart Radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart Radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart Radio app. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey, folks, check out tonight's television show, Just the News, No Noise, Real America's Voice, 6 p.m. You can watch it on the Just the News app, on the Just the News website, or download the Real America's Voice app, or watch it on Pluto, Dish Network, or anywhere else. We've got one of the top members of the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Chris Stewart from Utah joining us. You won't want to miss that. We'll have you covered. It's a great interview. Some big, big news on it. Go check it out. But before we go, hey, I want to mention one thing. We've got an incredible partnership with our good friends that produce the liver health formula, something that I take regularly now because I'm in that age group that needs to be thinking about getting healthier. And your liver is one of those great organs we take for granted. But here is a pretty remarkable statistic you may not have heard. Americans, adults who have a fatty liver... This is according to the American Heart Association, so the premier experts for heart health, right? Americans with fatty livers are 3.5 times more likely to have heart failure than those without. 3.5 times. That is a really significant risk. Not worth taking. Let's not take that risk. The American Liver Foundation, another great health expert in in our country, says 100 million Americans currently have a fatty liver. That's pretty scary. What does that mean? Way too many people are at risk, and way too many people could prevent this risk. So why not get ahead of it? You know, we talk about cholesterol and getting healthier with that. We talk about alcohol and toxins, be careful with Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. We got the list of things that we're trying to stay on top of to be healthy, but you may not be thinking... A fatty liver is a risk to you, but it it is. And what happens is if you have a fatty liver, you're sluggish, you gain weight, you lose energy, and you're putting your heart at enormous risk of future failure. So why not cast all that away? For decades now, your liver helped you with over 500 key functions. It's time for you to help your liver, right? That's what I've been doing. It's why I am a big believer in liver health formula. It's an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. In other words... Make sure it doesn't become fatty. You can try liver health formula and receive five free gifts when you order today because we have a special partnership here at Just the News at John Solomon Reports. So first, you're going to get a free bottle of the nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart healthy. I love this powder. It is amazing. You take a little bit, you are feeling great. You know that you're helping out. And... What you need to monitor and make this a success story for you are the four free ebooks that come along with that offer. So you get a free bottle of nano powered omega three and four books, ebooks to help you get read up and ready to understand how liver health formula is an important part of your health prevention, your health fitness program. So here's how you're going to get started on this thing. Do this, folks. Do it. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself because a fatty liver is a ticket to future health problems. Go to GetLiverHelp.com. GetLiverHelp.com slash Just News. Get those five gifts, the free bottle of the nano-powered omega-3, and, uh, of course, the four books that help you read up, you will be wiser and you'll be on the course to a healthier future. You're going to take care of your liver because it's been taking care of you. All right, go one more time. Here it is. GetLiverHelp.com slash JustNews. A very special offer from our friends at the Liver Health Formula team. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless you and good night. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you wanna lose weight, Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare care provider.
3: Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with, and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call one 800 245 That's one 800 245 Or visit TaxNetworkUSA.com slash Victor. TaxNetworkUSA.com slash Victor.